We are going to open up God's Word this morning. It's going to be good. Can you thank our team this morning? They did an incredible job. Who's excited to be in church this morning? Come on. So good. So good. If you're at home watching, maybe it felt a little bit frosty outside this morning and you thought the dunas were much warmer, can I encourage you that there is no place like the house of God. There is no place like being together in the house of God. I love that we have a broadcast. I love that it provides opportunity for those that physically can't be here or, or maybe, maybe you just you stumbled across it and you're checking us out. That is one of the main reasons that we broadcast our service is to provide a window so that you might find a door into church. And, uh, but if you're a regular member of our congregation and you've just let COVID make you a bit comfortable, I want to challenge you. Be in the house of God. Get back into the house of God. Be in community. It's, it's, it's better. It's just better. There's another way to say it. it. It's just better. So there you go. That's my challenge for you this morning. For everyone who is here, thank you for braving the sudden cold snap. We're a, we're a little bit precious, us human beings, right? Like it gets a little bit rainy or it gets a little bit cold and suddenly church is negotiable. Uh, coming to the house together to lift up the name of God suddenly becomes like, oh, it's a little bit difficult. Ah, just, you know, but you guys made it this morning. Come on, give yourself a hand. You made it to church. That was a terrible self-hand. That's an opportunity to self-celebrate and you missed it. Um, there's not many other moments like that in my message this morning. You should have taken it. Um, why don't you turn to the person next to you and just say, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you're here. Well done. Well done, good and faithful congregation. Legends. We're going we're gonna, to, uh, actually we're starting a new series this morning. Very exciting. Yeah, our last series I thought was very good. Um, Hope you got a lot out of it. Hope God spoke to you out of it. Hope that you are, are, are mulling over the reality that Jesus is better than a lot of the things that we put our, our, our heart and our mind and our soul into in life. Uh, but this series, this series is a little bit different. This series uh, has no theme. There's no, there's no thing that we're aiming at in this series. It is called Sermons on Shuffle. It's kind of like that moment that you hop into the car and the kids are too kind of going crazy for you to actually kind of cultivate your playlist for the, for the journey that you're going on and you just kind of mash the phone pad and you hit all songs, shuffle, right? Like, has anyone ever done that? You get the weirdest mix of music. Yeah, it just, it doesn't always work. And then sometimes it really works. Sometimes it's awesome. We are creating a, a, a period of the next five weeks uh, where all of our, our preaching team are able to bring a message that God has just been speaking to them about, something that God has been placing on their heart. And uh, I believe it's going to be a really powerful few weeks, uh, not just because it's in the lead up to vision, which is going to be amazing, um, but because for me, um, I really value the voices of our preaching team. Um, uh, they each bring something unique and different, uh, but I believe that they hear from God. And this is an opportunity for them to share with you uh, what God has been speaking to them about for our community. And I think it's going to be great. This morning, we're going to kick things off in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. 
Uh, if you have a Bible with you this morning, I know that we have it on the screen, um, but uh, that really doesn't replace actually getting your Bible out. Okay, So I encourage you, uh, we are a church of the Word. We love the Word of God. Um, and so come on, if you have a Bible with you this morning, maybe it is on your phone, maybe you're rolling with the analog version, get it out and read along this morning. You don't need to read out loud, that's okay, but read along, follow along with what, what I'm reading. Mark 6 we're going to read from verse 32 this morning. I may have said 31 to the team, but they, they've got it covered. Verse 32. So they, being the disciples and Jesus, left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. It's either a really slow boat or really fast running. I, don't, I can't work it out. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it is already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green. I reckon of all the things that Jesus with his disciples, right, that instruction is probably the most scary. If you think about it, you have a crowd of like 5,000 people. You've just said to Jesus, we have like a couple of loaves and some fish. And Jesus is like, perfect, tell them all to sit down. And like Jesus isn't telling them to sit down. He's saying, you go and tell them, sit down. They're about to get some food. They're about to eat, knowing you have nothing to feed them with. Like if I'm, if I'm a disciple, I'm like, I don't, I, I'm not comfortable doing that, Jesus. I'm just like, I, I, we don't, we, we, what, what, what's going on? I feel like sometimes that's our response when Jesus gives us a task to do. And it seems, it seems a little bit bigger than what we were anticipating and we don't feel prepared for it. And we're like, no, Jesus, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to talk to my neighbor. What are you talking? I'm not going to do that. And Jesus is like, listen, I'm working to a plan. It would be great for you to be my disciple. And so breaking the loaves into pieces... Verse 41, let's go from there. Jesus took the five loaves, two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute to the people. I love that like the scariest thing that Jesus puts to the disciples is followed up by probably what would have been the most exciting. Like, can you imagine being the disciples and it just kept, it just kept like, it just kept going. Like, you don't know how, it's like you just got another piece of bread. And it's like, like I always wonder, like, did it, did it, did it, did it increase right in front of them? Like, did they tear a bit off and then it was still there? Like, how did that work? I don't know how it worked, but I know that as a disciple, I'm handing this stuff out and I'm like, it's still, they're talking to each other, looking around the crowd. Is yours still going too? Yeah, Peter, mine's still going too. And John's like, this is amazing. Look, I'm not running out of bread. I'm sorry, that's how I read the Bible. It's not just words, right? It was like it was life. It was, it, it, this, this is a real life story, right? Some of us miss the excitement with Jesus because we don't want to take the step of faith. Some of us want a really safe religious experience 
We don't realise that living in a relationship with Jesus, He is going to call us as disciples to do things that are scary and risky and seem strange. But if He instructs us, the idea in relationship is that we trust what He calls us to do. And so we step out believing that even though I don't know how it's going to work out, He does. And, and, and if He said it will, then I'm trusting that it will. And I'm just going to step out. And I'm telling you, some of us live in like this stale Christianity because we're missing the obedience and so we don't get the excitement right there is that there is a consistent link between stepping out in faith living on the ragged edge of relationship with Jesus and excitement and life and crazy experiences where you've got stories to tell of God doing crazy things in your life. Some, some, some people live in church and they don't tell anyone about Jesus because, because Jesus hasn't really done anything in their life because they don't want to step out with Him and do anything with theirs. I mean, I think about Peter walking on water, like crazy. Why does he have that crazy story to tell? Because he... He took the step of faith. When Jesus is out there going, yeah, yeah, come on. Hey, hey, Lord, is that you out there? If it is, tell me to come. And Jesus is like, come. And Peter's like, dang. I was really hoping it was the ghost I thought it was because now, now, now the follow-through is on me. And some of us have stopped with the follow-through on us. Some of us are living and we know that God has called us to step into something and it seemed risky and it seemed a bit crazy. And it's like, oh, I'm a lot safer just staying here in the boat. Gee, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. And God's like, there is an incredible story I want to write with your life. But you have got to grab a hold of it. You have got to do the things that I have asked you to do and put in front of you. Some of you have put dreams to bed because they seem scary. But they're God dreams. And if God gives it to you, then God has the capacity to enable it to come to pass. And, 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 and your sticking point, if I can say this, your sticking point is trust. Because it is incredibly scary to trust God sometimes. The scope of what he puts in front of you. But you know what? He never calls you to jump from the start and finish in one go. Just take a step. Just take a step. The second scripture I had this morning was in 2 Kings. Is in two kings. So we go a bit New Testament, a bit Old Testament. See what happens when I get a freelance message. It's great. Two kings, chapter 4, verse 1. Two kings, chapter 4, verse 1. And I'm um, just testing your biblical flip skills, right? How quick can you flip? Um, it's, uh, let's see how you go. Two kings, chapter 4, verse 1, says this. I'm giving you time to find it. 2 Kings, chapter 4, verse 1. Thank you. That was what I was waiting for. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha said. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from the flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. And so she did as she was told. 
that was a little bit more direct right there, that instruction. She did what she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another, after another, after another, after another. And soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Awesome, let's pray this morning, yeah? Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you, Lord, that you are good, always good, uh, that you know us. Lord, I pray that your word this morning, uh, I pray your Holy Spirit would bring revelation to our hearts. I pray you'd speak to us. Those of us that need encouragement, pray we'd receive it this morning. Those of us that need an alignment check in our lives, I pray, Father, by your Spirit, that you would align us to your will and to your ways. Uh, And God, we pray the next season would be a much better season for the Jets. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Scripture tells us we should pray and not doubt, which is why I have not been praying for the Jets recently. Um, However, I have faith for next season. We're going to have a much better season. It's going to be good. I don't know, uh, hands, up, hands up if you're married this morning. Hands up if you're married. Come on. Marriage is such a gift. Love it. Uh, it comes with all sorts of unique experiences. Um, I don't know if, if you've had this unique experience. This is something that occurs regularly in, in our marriage. And I, I have checked that it's okay for me to share this. But I have lost count how many times... I get into the car with, with, with a significant kind of trip that I have to go on that morning and find that the fuel gauge is flat on empty. Come on, right? Yes. See, I, I knew, I knew my husband's, not my husband's, I knew husband's would understand what I'm talking about, right? Get in the car and it's like, it's empty. It's flat on empty. I'm like, I'm like, babe. What are you doing? Like, you know I had to take the kids to school this morning. I, I, I never leave the house with enough time to get petrol on the way. Like, you, know, you always talk to me about like pre-thinking. This is a pre-thinking moment, right? This is notorious. This is like a notorious pattern in our marriage. The fuel tank is empty. I get in and I'm like, babe, the fuel tank was empty again this morning. Apparently it's my job. <laughs> In, in Rachel's defense, she often has all three of our kids in the car, and apparently uh, getting petrol with three kids is an incredibly complex uh, procedure. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm, 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 I am joking a little bit here this morning to paint a little bit of picture, but, but I am always struck with the reality that there is not enough petrol in my car to get where I need to go. And I never leave myself enough time to get petrol. Like, that is not in the equation. There is an assumption that there will be enough, right? I, I just live this life with an assumption there will be enough, and it relates to petrol. And so when it's not, it's not just that there's no petrol, it's now that there's no petrol and I have no time. Uh, so it's like a compounding effect. But I wonder, I wonder this morning if, if you are faced with things in your life where you feel like there is not enough. There's not enough. There's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough. Or, or maybe it's not that there is not enough, but that you are not enough. I don't, know, I don't know how often I have been faced with that thought. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. 
And we, we all face so many different and varied and significant things in our lives. And they, 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 they look insurmountable. It's like trying to drive to Sydney when the fuel tank is empty. It's like there is, like, there is just, I know there is not enough. There's not enough. And we tell ourselves these things. We remind ourselves, I'm not enough. I can't do this. I'm not enough. And I feel like, I mean, I have points this morning. You'd be very proud. I have, I have tangible points that you can write down. And it's, um, it's one of the ways that you can participate this morning. It's actually write down what God says to you. But point number one this morning, I feel like I want to address that mindset straight away. Because that mindset that you are not enough is not from the Word of God. It is not what God would say to you. It is what we say to ourselves when we view our life or our our current circumstance. It's the deduction that we take from viewing it and we place that on ourselves. It's not what God says. When we read scripture, whether we read like the, the, the feeding of the 5,000 or whether we read the story we just read then about the lady with the oil, it is very clear that this is a, an issue with us as humans. Because in both of those stories, what we find is their, their first response is, well, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have, we don't have enough food. We don't have enough bread. We, in fact, what do you have? Oh, we don't have anything. That's the disciples' first response. And the lady's first response, and Elijah goes, what do you have? I have nothing. Oh, nothing but oil. Why is it that we go to nothing first? Why is it that we immediately perceive ourselves having not enough to do what God has called us to in this life? Even if the situations that we are facing are not facilitated by God, we presume that we don't have enough. I'm I'm here to tell you this morning that what we get from Scripture is that absolutely you have what you need. You have what you need. And that is the only point some of you need to take out of this message. You need to take out of this message that you have what you need. Whatever it is you're facing this week, you have what you need. The disciples had what they needed. Five loaves, two fish. The woman with the oil, she had what she needed. It's a little bit of oil. It's funny because what we do is is we diminish whatever we think we do have. If we read the, 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 the story of the feeding of the 5,000, we, we, there's four accounts of it. So we get a pretty good insight into the way the disciples were thinking about the task that, that, that Jesus had put before them. And, and John records this, this statement. He says, even when they bought the five loaves and two fishes, John goes, oh, what good is that? What good is that in comparison to so many? And so, and so when we hear you have what's needed, what we do is we... We compare that little to what the situation appears to be to us. And we go, well, yeah, sure, I might have a little, but it's not enough. What good is that? What good is that little amount? What good is that little bit of oil that the lady has? And we diminish. And so what we do, what we do and this, this comes into what I was saying before, because we diminish what we have and, and, and perceive that we don't have enough to step into what God has called us to. Jesus says, sit down. We're going to give him something to eat disciples look at what they've got and they're like we don't have enough we're not going to do that Jesus and Jesus is like yeah, we are tell them to sit down it's going to be okay and so often we don't see what we do have because what we're looking for is the whole solution what we're looking for is 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 like the disciples they were looking for enough food or they were looking for enough money to be able to solve the situation completely 
or the woman who was, who was faced with this incredible debt, she wasn't looking at the oil because the oil didn't seem to be enough. She was looking for the full amount that was going to solve her issue. And so both of them diminished the little that they did have. I find myself asking, why do we see lack before potential? Why do we see lack before potential? Why do we dismiss what we do have? See, no matter what you are facing this morning, you have what you need. I know for me, over the years, this has been a consistent kind of coming back around. Every time my life kind of, I don't know, grows or expands, you know, got married. I remember thinking, God, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I grew up in a, a house. My dad left when I was eight. Like, I, I don't know what marriage looks like. I got all kinds of terrible mindsets about marriage, thanks to Hollywood and, and other things and, and schoolyard, you know, wisdom, right? Where are, my, where are my teenagers? Anyone who gives you advice in the playground, they do not know what they are talking about, okay? Talk to your mum and dad. They have more life wisdom. I know they're weird. I know that. Just talk to them. They're going to help you out. Right, and then, and, then I, and, then, and then we had kids, I became a parent. And it's like, God, I, I can't do this. I have no idea how to parent. Right, and, 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 and I'm continually going back to God and he just reminds me, hey, I haven't called you to have everything, but you have what you need. And sometimes, most of the time, in fact, I would say all the time, this is a day-by-day thing. Like, you have what you need today. <laughs> That's why, that's why it's called daily bread, right? Well, we have what we need today, to get through today, to face today. Maybe, maybe, maybe for you, you, you're supporting someone who's going through a crisis. And you're like, God, I don't, I can't, I, my emotional capacity is just, I don't have enough. And God's like, actually, you have what you need. You have what you need. Teenagers, you have what you need to remain pure. Through high school, through uni. I know it seems like it's an insurmountable task in today's cultural context. There is a tsunami of pressure telling you that what the Word of God says about how you should live your life is not the way to live. I'm telling you, it is. It is. And you have what you need to walk that path. You have what you need to face that diagnosis. You have what you need to be the boss. Some of you, your workplace, leading, staff, whatever. Feels like insurmountable at times, dealing with not just business issues, but personal issues. Like, you have what you need. You have what you need. What we need help with is to have eyes to see what we have. Because we see the issue. We see the size of the problem. We see, we see the scope of the thing in front of us and our eyes get fixated on that and, and we miss what it is that we have. It's why our response is, well, I have nothing. I have nothing. I, I have nothing. No, 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 no. You, I have nothing. But you, you have something. The woman had a little bit of oil. The boy had five loaves and two fish. We need eyes to see what that can be. We need eyes to see So my prayer for you this morning is for vision. 
Sometimes vision is more valuable than a solution. You see, too often we want to solve the problem. We want, we want the solution in full. And God's like, I want to give you a vision of what I want to do through you as you walk this journey. Sometimes the journey is a greater testimony than the solution. For some of us, and some of you have walked this life longer than me, you know that the solution actually doesn't always come. But the journey is a testimony. The journey, the journey points to Jesus. We need vision because it helps us to see the potential in the little. And what it does is it starts to help us to see that little that we do have with a value. And we stop dismissing it. We start bringing it to Jesus. Right? If we don't value the little, we don't bring it because we don't think it's worth bringing. And so we come to Jesus and we're like, well, i got nothing. And Jesus is like, no, look, back there you have a little bit of oil. Bring that to me. Value that. Recognize that there is potential in that. Recognize that you are not empty-handed, that I have given you something. I have placed gifts in you. I have placed abilities in you. I have placed relationships around you. There are things that you have that you devalue because you don't see the potential in it. We see what we don't have, not what we do have. <laughs> vision, here's the thing, vision sees us succeeding by using the little. Vision sees hope rather than despair. Vision, vision changes us from nothing but to what could be done with. Vision sees a tree by planting a seed. Vision allows God to show you that you have exactly what's needed. And ultimately, if we can get vision, do you want to know what translates in our lives? It's not always a solution. Do you want to know what it is? It's confidence. It's confidence. Hold our head up. It's like, I've got what I need. I can do this. I can, I can get through this. I can get through today. I can get through tomorrow. I can do this. And we get a confidence inside of us. We have a confidence knowing that I have what is needed. And confidence is powerful. It's incredibly powerful. But only confidence is also reckless. Because if all we have is confidence, we do things that ultimately end up being dangerous and damaging. You see, only confidence confuses us into thinking that because we have what's needed, that's the same as having enough. All you need to do is ask any person who is beyond, any male or beyond the age of 25. They will tell you confidence is dangerous. Right? Some of our teenage boys this morning, you're just entering an arena where confidence is kind of just going to, you're just going to have it. And, uh, and, and it's, it, you're going to feel like you can do anything in this life. Too much confidence can be dangerous. Because it confuses us into thinking that because we have what's needed, that that's actually enough. And so what we do is we try to stretch. We try to stretch our little in an attempt to guarantee success. Because we are fixated on the solution. We're fixated on success. 
We're fixated on solving what it is that is in front of us. And now that we have confidence that we have what we need, what we do is we try to stretch that. We try, we try to make things happen in our own strength. We try to, we try to do like, 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 like Abraham with, with Hagar, right? We try to make it happen on our own. See, Abraham had what he needed, just took things into his own hands. You see, in all four accounts of feeding the 5,000, the disciples viewed a stretch as a way to solve the problem. Every one of them. Quote, oh, we would need to work this, 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 this many months to get enough money to be able to buy food. They go straight to taking something and stretching it to being able to provide in the way that they think things should happen. And so what do we do? What do we do when we have only confidence? We keep stretching and we keep stretching and we keep giving out and we keep, we keep overreaching in an attempt to stretch our little into something that is sufficient. You see, I never said that you were sufficient. I said you had what was needed. And if we try to do things our way, we end up in wild insufficiency. Whether it's emotionally, financially, spiritually, we just keep stretching out of our little, and before long, that little is gone. And we're running on empty. Some of us are burned out emotionally, burned out spiritually. Can I tell you, you can get burned out serving in church because you've stopped connecting to the spring. We don't worship the church. The church is an overflow of our relationship with Jesus. He's the spring. We end up hurting ourselves or others. Imagine if the disciples had tried to stretch the five loaves and two fish to 5,000 hungry people in a remote place. Do you think that would have gone down well? What, like the front five got to feed? Imagine, imagine being like just in the middle, like not even at the back, just in the middle and knowing, I'm not getting any food right now. I come all the way out here. I followed this guy. I mean, that wouldn't have just been damaging to the disciples. That would have been damaging to, to, to Jesus People would have been disappointed, discouraged, disgruntled. Doesn't sound like a whole, you know, it doesn't sound like Christians at all. Um, sometimes. <laughs> imagine if, imagine if, not even the lady with the oil, but, but another lady, another lady who, who, who in the Bible is called the widow of Zarephath, right? Who, who, who Elijah, God says to Elijah, hey, listen, brook's drying up. I've been feeding you with birds, dropping meats. Great. Listen, go to this widow. He goes to the widow, and the widow, you know, Elijah's like, hey, widow, hook me up some food. And that's, that's definitely not the words of Scripture. But, and the widow says, she goes, listen, I get, I get nothing, funnily enough, but a little bit of flour. I'm going to go home, I'm going to bake a little cake for me and my son, and then we're going to die. That's literally what the Bible says. Or maybe there's a lady with the oil. We're trying to stretch sufficiency from the little would have ended up with a boys then to be sold into slavery. I'm telling you, when we misunderstand the fact that we have what's needed and we think we also have enough, we end up doing some very silly things that cause people around us, our loved ones, a lot of harm. And so what keeps confidence in balance? Right, like if we're supposed to have confidence, I have what's needed, I can do this. What keeps confidence in balance? Humility. 
And Jesus modeled this perfect balance of confidence and humility, working hand in hand. They are not opposites. They are things that work together. See, because confidence is knowing I have what is needed. Humility is knowing what I have alone is not enough. Both are important. Knowing I have what's needed, but it's not enough, is the tightrope that we walk this life. It keeps us in dependence on Christ, but it also keeps us moving, right? Because if all we have is confidence and no humility, we end up reckless and often shipwrecked. Our faith ends up shipwrecked somewhere in some choice we made that was out of a lack because we stretched and ended up with nothing left inside of us. But if all we have is humility and no confidence, we stay stationary because we never believe God's put anything in us to do anything with in this life. And so we don't take any steps towards those issues. We don't take any steps toward the insurmountable things in our lives. And so we end up with like very, very few testimonies because we didn't step out. We didn't realize God had put in us exactly what was needed. It just wasn't enough. But when we walk with those two in balance, you know what we get? We get deliberate, intentional movement. Step by step. Man makes his plans, but God directs his steps. Steps speak of day by day by day. Because we know we've got something. We know we don't have nothing. We know we've got what's needed. We also know we don't have enough. So knowing we don't have enough drives us to Christ. It drives us to Jesus. It drives us to a place where we are confident enough to bring what he has put in us and lay it at his feet and say, God, use me. I've gotten up off of my, off of my sitting in my spiritual chair because I want to do something with this life. I've got this little thing. What can you do with this? I believe you can do something with it. It's what we do with our not enough that makes it more than enough. See, there's a pattern demonstrated in every one of these stories, right, where, 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 where the perceived and practical is not enough, but somehow it ends up being more than enough, right? Whether it's the feeding the 5,000, 12 baskets left over, right? Five loaves, two fish, went to like 12 baskets. There's more leftovers than they started with, people. That is very strange, Oil, right? They start with this amount. They've got enough left over, not just to pay off the debt, but to live off for the rest of their lives. She didn't have nearly that amount when she started. And I ask myself, what do they do to take what wasn't enough that enables it to be more than enough? What do they do? Can I tell you? It's pretty simple. I mean, I looked at this for quite a long time to come up with this. They made a deliberate decision. They made a deliberate decision. It's that simple. Sometimes that's all it takes for our lives, day by day, is to make a decision today to do what God is saying to do. You see, a deliberate decision takes what is needed and uses it wisely. A deliberate decision causes what wasn't enough to become enough. See, what I have has value. It's key. It's the seed. But without water and soil and sun, a seed isn't a tree. A seed bears no fruit. I need a tree to survive. 
I don't know about you, but in this life and the things we face, I need, a, I need a tree that's a constant supply of fruit for me to be a parent, for me to be a husband. I come with a seed. I got something. I, got a, I, I, I know I got what's needed in that space. Absolutely. But I know I also don't have enough. And so I realize it's what I do with that seed. You know, the decision, the deliberate decision, it's always the same. It's always the same. This is what's great, right? Like Christianity is not complicated. It's simple. The decision is always to take what I know I have, the little that I know I have, and surrender it with faith through obedience. You see, decisions always have two parts, heart and hands. Surrendering a sea with faith is the position our heart needs to be. We've got to have an expectation that Christ can do the impossible. We've got to have an expectation that coming to Him, He's going to do something that we can't do on our own. We've got to have an expectation in our heart. We've got to have faith that when I let go of the seed, that when when I start handing out the the five loaves, there's there's got to be something in my heart that says God's going to take my little and He's going to make it enough. I don't know how and I don't need to know how. I just need to know in my heart that He will. That's faith. Faith is being certain. And then there's obedience. Obedience is your hands. Obedience is the how. Obedience is actually the sowing in the way and how God has told you to do it. To sow the seed into the soil that God tells you, the way God tells you. And that's the one that is often not the same. The deliberate decision to surrender the little that we know we have, that's always on us. But the how is often individual. I can't stand up here and say, I know exactly every one of the situations you're facing. I can stand up here and tell you, I know there's something in you that is what is needed. But I also believe God's saying to you something about how, how to plan that thing, how to utilize that, how to bring that to Him. You see, you see the disciples, their instruction was, Hey, start handing it out. Start handing it out, right? The the woman with the oil, her job was, hey, go and get a whole lot of empty jars and start pouring. The lady, uh, the widow of Zarephath, her job was, go and make me a cake first. I don't know what God's saying to you. I don't know how He's telling you to use the little that you have. I know you've got it. It's in all of you. There is enough in you to begin. There is enough in you to bring something to God. Giving our little to God trusts that He will stretch it. He stretches and we don't. Surrender leads to sufficiency. Not stretching. If you feel insufficient facing something in your life this morning, 
trying to stretch yourself is not the answer. Surrendering to Christ, bringing your little, maybe, maybe, maybe you're like, I got a, I got a little bit of emotions left in my tank. But God, I'm pretty empty. God says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. And you watch, tomorrow you're gonna have enough. And the next day you're gonna have enough. And the next day you're gonna have enough. Maybe you feel like, God, I got, I got about this much strength left. God's like, that's all you need. You've got what you need. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. And I'm going to stretch that strength. You watch. You're going to rise up on wings like an eagle. You're going to walk and not faint. You're going to run, not grow weary. You, you, it's going to stretch. You're going to have enough. Not because you do, but because you bring it to God. Maybe you're struggling with your finances at the moment. I'm telling you, the tithe is exactly this process, bringing God the little, and He enables a stretch. Maybe it's a, a health diagnosis. Seems like I just don't have enough to get through this. I don't know how to stay with hope, losing hope, God. He's like, bring that little to me. Bring that little to me. You have enough. You have a seed. You see, I have to plant the seed and trust that sufficiency can come from the seed. But it has to go through the process of surrender where I acknowledge that a seed kept in my hand will never be a tree. But if I plant the seed in the soil of God's supernatural sufficiency, if I surrender what I do have, He will supernaturally stretch it to a point of more than enough. You see, humility is knowing that I can't stretch it. I can't grow it. I can't feed 5,000 from some bread and fish. I can't pay my debt with a little bit of oil. I can't be emotionally present all the time for my wife and my kids when my emotional capacity is limited. Maybe Moses. I can't lead a million people out of captivity. I can't raise a son as a single mum unless I realise, sorry, unless I release what I do have into the hands of God. Knowing I have what's needed, but I'm not enough. I tell you that you have what's needed this morning. You have what's needed. Whatever you're facing, no matter how small you think that what you have left is, you have what's needed. It'll probably seem insignificant. You'll probably want to diminish it. That little gift of hospitality you have that God wants to use to build a community in this place, don't diminish it humor that you have that brings joy to people's lives that you diminish is nothing don't diminish it God wants to use it to bring joy into people's lives more than you could ever anticipate I feel really strongly this morning to pray for for a couple of people number one God put this on my heart really strong he said there's some people this morning maybe maybe you're watching online with us 
but you're about to make a decision to solve your lack with natural means. And you know that this process will be outside of God's will. But it's like you see no other way. It's like the, the, the woman with the oil whose only way that she could perceive to pay off her debt was to put her boys in slavery. That was not the will of God. That solution looked like a solution, but it was not in line with God's will. I feel like God's saying, don't do it. Don't do it. If, get, get away with me. Go and, go and spend some time just with God. Don't do what it is that you're about to do that, that's going to have significant ramifications. Don't do that. Take some time. Go to the beach. Pray. Go to, go to the bush. Pray. I don't know where your spot is. They're mine. Go somewhere where you can talk to God and you can hear Him tell you that there's a different way. The second, the second group of people is people who are facing something right now. And you, you've, been trying to, you've been trying to stretch. You've been trying to stretch and you're exhausted. You feel like you have nothing left. And God is calling this morning for you to surrender. Stop trying to do it all. Yes, you have what's needed, but you do not have enough to do the journey that is in front of you. The path that He has you on requires Him. It requires your surrender so that He can enable a sufficiency. And some of you, not because you've intentionally done this, you've just been trying to get through day after day after day. And, and, and He is saying this morning, come and surrender. God, come and surrender this morning. So I would, I would love it if we could go, you know, that song, Jesus, Only You. And if either of those two, uh, I guess, ministry calls relate to you, if you feel like you need to come and surrender this morning, just come down the front. One of our pastoral team would love to just stand with you, would love to pray for you, would love to believe for the Holy Spirit to come and bring a supernatural uh, expansion of the little that you have. Maybe maybe you're the first one and you know that just spoke to you. It's like, oh. And you just want someone to stand with you to help you from here from God about the way that you're supposed to move forward. I don't know what it is. But if either of those are you this morning, as we go into that song, Jesus, only you, why don't you come down? Respond to Jesus. Respond to Jesus this morning. Lastly, Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You could, you could be in the church and not have a relationship with Jesus. I know because I was when I was younger. I was in church every week. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really realize that it was about relationship. And you're listening and you're like, I, 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 need, I need a relationship with Jesus. I need this. It's so simple. Starting a relationship with Jesus is so simple. First of all, it's accepting that Jesus is who He said He is. He's, the son, he's God's Son. That's who Jesus is. And secondly, you've got to accept who you are. You're someone that does things from time to time, maybe some of us more often than others. But when we, when we do or we think certain things, the Bible calls it sin. 
And sin stops us having a relationship with God. So we're going to accept Jesus and we're going to accept ourselves. And second thing is simply to believe that when Jesus died on a cross, all of those things that we just talked about have been forgiven. And we need to receive that forgiveness. You need to receive the fact that because of Jesus' death on a cross, you, you can have all of that wiped away. And a path is clear to have relationship with Jesus. And lastly, see simply commit your life to Him and commit to having a relationship with Him. Not just going through a whole lot of religious procedures and processes. Commit to relationship. Talk to Him. Walk with Him. Get a Bible. Read about Jesus. So I would love to pray right now for anyone who's watching, anyone here this morning who'd like to do those three things. Accept, believe and commit. Super simple. So when we bow our heads, church, Father, I want to thank you that in all of us, God is what is needed. And God, the start of that sufficiency is coming to you. Acknowledging that we've done things in our lives. We've sinned, God. We're sorry. We believe that Jesus, you came and you died for us. And I receive that forgiveness right now. And Lord, I commit my life to you. And I want to have a relationship with you.